Morning. Mora. Hoe sê mens in Duits? Amper sê, goede nacht. <laughs> right. Um, it's always good to give the Lord praise and to worship His name, to bless Him. It's one of the ways that we give. The Bible talks about giving praise. You know, so it immediately means that we are not focused on ourselves, right, or on the person next to us, but rather him. Um, well, we are busy with the breaking free from the spirit of poverty, session 16. And um, as I've been chatting with a few people in the week, then there are testimonies coming forth from what the Lord is doing through this message. Um, so, so we just continue to share the word and to um, trust that the entrance of the word will bring light. Amen. Okay, so as you know, our, our message starts from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verses 1 and 2. Maybe we can go there. Just want to share a thought with you. You know, the, um, in, in, the, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Amen? The Word. Now, the Greek word for that word, word, is logos. And sometimes it's, um, it is rhema. So, logos is the Greek word for word. Okay? In the beginning was the word. Logos. Now, in Hebrew, there's... Uh, in Greek, you get logos. In Hebrew, you get um, the bar. The bar. Okay? D-A-B-A-R. Right? The bar. But the Hebrew... Language has a way of giving pictures to explain the meaning of the word, besides giving definitions. And so pictures, and so they have a picture for every letter that they use to write out the word in Hebrew. So the, the Dabar in Hebrew has like three letters, and, and then it, okay, doesn't help I do this. Because when I did this to my wife, she says, I can't see me. Right. So, it kind of looks like a seven, and then almost like an A type something, and then another seven with the colikis and stuff. Right. I'm not a, a, the, the Hebrew language. I'm not an expert in that. But it was quite interesting to discover that the first letter of the word uh, for the bar, the letter, first letter, was a picture of a door. Right? The second letter was a picture of a house. And the third letter was a picture of headship. Right? So, now those are the pictures for, for uh, the word, word. Okay? Are you all with me? The word that was God. Word. 
right? It's difficult to say the word, the Hebrew word for word, right? But that picture has kind of has two meanings. Number one, we know that the door is Jesus. He said, I am the door. And he brought us into a house, a family, where he is the head of that family, right? So the word will always introduce you to Christ. The other meaning is that whenever God sends you his word, right, he's providing you with a door, access, so that you can live in the spiritual reality of what the word is communicating to you. And when you live in that word, then you will experience headship, dominion. Right? So when God, when God wants you to live in something, He sends you a word. Because the word will provide you access. That's why when Peter said to Jesus, You are the Christ, Son of the living God, then Jesus said, I give unto you the keys. Because revelation is keys, knowledge, that opens doorways to spiritual realities that we can. Live in. So, in, in the same way, when we have this word, spirit of poverty and grace, right? Then, it is a word that allows us to live in the reality of it. Amen? Are you all with me? So, I find that quite interesting because, because that's why the way that the kingdom of God works is it says it comes as a seed, And the Bible always says that the seed is the word of God. The word of the kingdom. So the way the kingdom comes, it comes very small, insignificant to you with the word. But when you take that word and you work it, it it grows and it brings you into the reality of that word. Amen? So when we're talking about grace here in this context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we are talking about the grace of giving, right? Now, there are many different graces, and the reason why I explained to you that there are many different graces, like the fivefold ministry, which is a grace, um, there is the grace for salvation, right? And, and I explained to you that there are different kinds of grace, as we read from First Peter chapter 4 and verses 10, I think it is, either chapter 4 or chapter 5, where it says, as good stewards of the manifold or the various kinds of graces, right? Um, minister so ye one to another, or minister one to another, uh, as every man has received the gift and as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So there are various kinds of graces. So, in this chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we are talking about the specific kind of grace that is related to giving financially and materially. Okay? If you read the chapter, chapter 8 and chapter 9, read it in context, read it, read it with what the surrounding scriptures are saying and all those type of things, then you will find, then you will find that... Um, that he is talking about the grace of giving materially or financially. While 
as I said this morning on the WhatsApp group, let's give a hug, bring a sweet. I got my sweet, by the way. Um, you know, maybe you have an encouragement for someone, maybe, and so on. In those things, we give because we give freely. We give undeserved, right? Do not only love those that love you. Do not only greet those that greet you because sinners do the same, right? But be ye children of the Most High or sons of God, right? So in this context, if you read, so when you read the the scriptures, you must always read context. You cannot just take a scripture and bring your own application to it. You You have to read context, to determine what kind of grace are we talking about, right? And so, um, when, we, when we understand that and we allow the context, the, the surrounding verses and the chapter and so on, to explain to us what grace are we talking about, then, uh, then we come to discover. And as I said to you, um, I read this chapter probably how many times on the plane to... To South Africa, I'm reading this chapter, reading different translations and so on. And saying, Lord, I don't want to make this about money, but I have come and I've read other people's comments and these things. And I've just come to to the conclusion that this is what it is talking about. The grace of giving financially and materially. Right? So, yeah, um, as I said, when Paul wrote this. He was not in Mas- sorry. He was in Macedonia, because it was on his second visit to Macedonia um, that he got a surprise. That he was quite amazed at what he saw in Macedonia, and so therefore he's talking about the churches of Macedonia, and the the churches in Macedonia, or let me say rather, the cities in Macedonia was was um, the Thessalonians or Thessalonica, Philippi, which is the book of Philippians, and then there was Berea and two other cities, and and so in that, these were the churches in Macedonia, and when he was there at first, when he came, entered into Macedonia for the first time, um, he preached the gospel, Right, you read it in Acts chapter 16 and 17. He preaches the gospel and many people convert. And then the Jews were very upset about that. And they rose up and they caused a stir. And um, they created adversity and persecution towards Paul and what he was doing. And so Paul, when he came to Philippi, he then had to flee Philippi and went to Thessalonica. And when he came to Thessalonica, exact same thing. He starts preaching. People get converted. They save. They accept Christ as the Savior. And then what happens is the persecution arises. The same Jews from Philippi heard that Paul was there and they went there. And when they came there, they stirred up the people in Elpara, Rovamana, by Makar Hamak, so that they could rough uh, Paul up a bit. And Paul wasn't there. And they ended up assaulting the house of Jason, right? And so Paul then fled and then went to Berea. And when he came to Berea, there the Bible says, and the Bereans were more noble than any other people, right? Because they searched the scriptures. 
When they heard Paul preach, they had a readiness of mind. They were open, they were ready to hear. And when they searched the scriptures, they found that what Paul was saying was true. And many converted. And again, persecution arise and so on. And they, and then Paul left. So Paul left the Macedonian church with a great trial of affliction. With great adversity. With great resistance to what they were doing. And, and so that was his first visit. And he leaves and then, I don't know how long it is. Maybe two years later, I speak there under correction. But on his second visit to them, on his return to Macedonia, he, he was basically concerned because he know he left them with a great challenge. And he was wondering, did their faith fail? Did, they, did the work that they start there, did it crumble? Are the people still with the Lord and so on? And so he goes into that and he comes there and he gets a shock. And he's like, wow, what is happening here? The grace of God that is at work here is doing something amazing. And so he then from there writes the letter to, Cor- to the Corinthians, right? Which is now the, the believers that uh, accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Corinthian church. And so... Corinth, as I said to you, was already, it was a trading city. It it had access from both east and west. And when they came in there, so Corinth was already a wealthy city. There was trade and this is where people went. So when Paul preached the gospel to them, they had converted, but they had converted with their wealth. It was not that they were poor and then came to Christ. It was that they already had substance with them. Whether they were very wealthy, it doesn't matter. It's just that these people had more than uh, had a bit of an overflow, right? And so Paul then writes from Macedonia, he writes to the Corinthian church. And he's trying to explain to them. And he's trying to teach them to do what the Macedonian church is doing. Amen? Are you all with me? This is a bit of a background so that we can understand what's happening here. So here he says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So he's now writing to the Corinthians them, and he's saying, I want you to know of the grace that was bestowed or given to the churches of Macedonia. And there is a reason that he wants them to know because he was previously there and he had a discussion with them and they made some promises and, and said they were eager to do certain things. And Paul uh, was basically encouraging them to, to give, right? Uh, as we will see, I'm not going to read now the whole thing. I'm just going to continue where I left off last week, right? Um, so, let's just read verse 2. That in a great trial of affliction, right, um, the abundance of their joy, not happiness. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is related to circumstances. If it's going well, I'm happy. If it's not going well, I'm not happy. But joy 
surpasses that because joy, they had great trial of affliction, yet there was joy. Right? That is a manifestation of grace. That is grace that is seen. How is it that people are talking against you, looking for you, want to assault you, uh, fighting against you because you're preaching this Jesus, and yet, in the midst of that, the, the fear and the sorrow. If you read other scriptures, Paul says, I had sorrow upon sorrow. I mean, when he talks about his time in Macedonia, he says, I had great resistance. Right? So they, they were hugely challenged. Right? And because of that, but yet, the grace of God that was at work in their lives brought forth the joy of the Lord. So you've heard many times people say the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? So if they're saying the joy of the Lord is your strength, it says you are in a, in a tough time and you need some strength. But the joy of the Lord will give you strength. So joy is not necessarily, um, you know, like laughter or happiness. Joy is just, there is, I'm, I'm okay, I'm satisfied, even though where I find myself, there is joy, there's contentment, and, and I am not down and depressed, and so on. So, and then it says, and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. And um, the Greek word for liberality uh, also means generosity. Uh, their generosity it doesn't, it didn't, they had deep poverty. <clears throat> so, the word here for deep poverty, it means down to the depth poverty, right? That's what they, they give in the definition. It's uh, the picture of it is the depth of the ocean, the depth of their poverty uh, and the struggle that they faced, right? And so, in this, it says, though they had that, that, that kind of situation, lack where they found themselves, yet it, yet the grace of God that was in them, that was at work in them, did what? It abounded, or it, it brought about the riches of their liberty, the freedom to give. And they gave in spite of where they found themselves. Okay? So, this chapter, so, so grace is seen. Grace can be seen. How is it seen? You are struggling, but you have joy. Wow, there's grace here. You have, you have a, a physical uh, lack, but yet you are giving. Wow. Grace is at work here. Grace can be seen. Right? Grace can be seen. Um, and so, it is how the grace of God has built and worked itself into the life of the people that so that they are able to do things that usually they are not able to do. Uh, Paul prayed and said, um, I pray, I, I seek the Lord three times concerning the thorn in the flesh. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, right? The grace that is sufficient for in your weakness, my strength is made perfect, right? So, so, Grace comes and fills the lack, meets the need, the deficiency that is there, and grace becomes a sufficiency. 
But when you don't understand that grace is something that's within you, and what you are doing is you are using the grace to meet the deficiency. Okay? Now, in that context where Paul was writing it, he was, he was speaking of something different that he was struggling with. The, the point that I'm making there is that grace has to be used. Right? And when it's used, it deals with the deficiency. And God was basically saying to Paul, I'm not going to free you from the the, the messenger, the thorn in the flesh, use the grace to deal with the thorn in the flesh. Right? And that is how God works. God gives to you, firstly, you take what is given and you work it. As you work it, it deals with certain things in your life. Okay? Are you all with me? So tell the person again next to you, work it. Uh, say it like this, work what you have. The, so don't work what you don't have. That's where you become religious. That's where when you work what you don't have, that is where, or when you work what you think, or you work when you think you don't have, but you work. That is tiresome. That's why you say, oh my, I'm a burdened economy. Why? Because in your mind you have been dominated already by the spirit of poverty. That in Christ you think you have nothing to give. And so you work trying to get, not understanding that you must work what you have. When you work what you have, then the grace of God works in your life. Are you all with me? So... The, 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 the poverty, uh, it, it reaches into many different areas of our lives. And I've come to realize that even in, in poverty, we have been affected in our way that we think, even in Christ. Um, you know, you want the man of God to pray for you. Now, I know in, in those kind of churches, maybe that man of God likes that, that that everybody's dependent upon him, even though there might be a measure of truth to that, but that everybody's so dependent upon the, the preacher that, that they have nothing. And therefore, they're they always at a shortage, right? But you got to understand that in Christ you do have stuff. And it is the stuff that you must use. It's when you don't use the stuff that you, that you don't see the result of what you're looking for. Okay? But if you work and you are not, but you don't understand that you have and you think that you are empty, an empty vessel, then when you work, it becomes to you religious, burdensome, um, it makes you want to give up. It makes you feel like it's not a clump werker. But we are based when we work. We work from a place of I have. Okay. So my whole point out of that is work what you have. Okay. Work what you have. Right. So and grace and I've come to this understanding that grace must be worked by us. Okay, 
um, do not do not say that you know this this it depends what it is you know and then you would say bajo piedra right but god said to paul you are not waiting on me my grace inside you is sufficient don't wait on me use the grace right and that's why we sometimes don't overcome things in our lives so so this chapter is talking about the giving uh, the grace of giving materially and financially and i want us to look at second corinthians chapter 9 and verses 9 I don't want to preach an hour and a half again. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Right? So, what is his righteousness? He's scattering, he's dispersing, he's scattering, he's, he's just giving. So, that first, first part of the sentence is not talking about giving to the poor. The next one says, and has given to the poor. So there is a giving to the poor, and there is a scattering. So sometimes you feel like you have a brother, you want to just bless him, even though he has. Even from a hemp or something. Right? Um, it's not that he is in a need, but you feel to give. You scatter. Right? You scatter abroad. And then he has given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. So the practice of giving is a righteousness that you are practicing. That righteousness does not qualify you to be saved. Okay? Let's just make a distinction again. What righteousness are we talking about? We are not talking about the righteousness you received when you um, got saved and gave your life to Jesus. We are also not talking about if you do that, then you guarantee yourself to be saved. And when you die, you will ensure that you go to heaven. That righteousness is filthy rags. You can't use that. But in terms of where you find yourself in the earth, unless you apply certain righteousness, you might not get certain results that you are looking for. Right? Are you all with me? So there is a righteousness to be practiced, but you can never use it to say, God, because I did this, you must guarantee my salvation. No, you can't. Right? Okay. But there is a righteousness. So now let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and verses 1. I want to give you some tips as you practice your giving. Okay, Matthew chapter 6 and verses 1. He said, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, right? To be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Another scripture will say, uh, take heed when you, do, when you practice your righteousness, right? So we have seen already in, in Corinthians 9 that giving is a practice of righteousness, right? But he says here, um, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
So when you go about giving, it's between you and the Father. Okay? So don't tell your brother, I now decided I'm going to bless Enrico with 5,000 Namibian dollars. The Bible says you have, you can give the 5,000, but the Bible says you have your reward. You already have your reward. Your giving must be in secret. Now sometimes in our excitement of the practice and the understanding that is coming to us, we go about sharing what we are busy doing. But Jesus says when you do your giving, do it in secret. Right? Why? Because if you do it in secret, uh, then, then you only you will have a reward. Verses 2. So if you tell somebody, right, then they won't, then you have no reward. Therefore, when you do charitable deeds, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men, praise from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So, when you give, don't tell, or what you plan to give, and when you have given, don't sound the trumpet. Don't tell somebody else, right? When do you share? You share when you have seen the result of your giving. So, verses 3. But when you do your charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verses 4. That your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you publicly, openly. It's no longer a secret. Other people can see. Other people can know. But you have to learn to wait for him to reward you in public. Before you share, it has to be your testimony, right, while you practice in secret. Are you all with me? Okay. So, um, that's, so, I have the, so that's why I have the habit of, if I'm trusting the Lord for something, I trust Him in secret. Because the Bible says, when you pray, go into your closet, and when you ask the Lord, it's between you and Him in secret. And your Father will reward you. Openly. So, you didn't know I need money to go to Malawi. But I trusted the Lord in secret. It was between me and Him. But He rewarded me openly. The testimony is there. Now I share with you the testimony. So you trust Him in secret and He rewards you openly. If you don't do that, you know, so I'm not in the habit of saying I'm trusting the Lord for something and then... And then I let everybody, I ask him and talk to him, and then I let everybody know. Right? Um, it depends what it is and so on. So, in your practice of giving, you have to learn how to give in secret. Are you all with me? Because you don't want to give, and when your brother says, I'm a wonderful, wonderful, then you have your reward. Does it clear? The Father will not reward you because you already have it. You got the praise. You won't get it. Right? So there is a kind of secretness to your giving that you must practice. Right? 
But look at this. You know, many people, uh, you know, if you read, and many people are against, you know, if you give, and then the Father will also give to you. But just look at the scripture. It says that your charitable deed that you do in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will do what? So does the Father reward for giving? I rest my case. Jesus said it. Jesus understood the Father. He said, your Father will reward you for what you do. Right? So, um, it's important. I just wanted to give you that tip as we become, as I, as I see that slowly but surely there are testimonies coming through and there will be an excitement. I want you to remember, practice your giving in secret. Come share the testimony. Right, of what God is doing, right? And um, it has been a practice of mine. That, that, that is what I do regularly. I ask the Father and I talk in secret and I put my trust in Him to reward me openly. And then I really do enjoy sharing the testimonies. Right. So let's go back to Second um, Corinthians chapter, chapter 8. Now, I will be reading a lot of scriptures. And I know that could, could tire you out. But unfortunately, in my spirit, I feel that that is what I must do. I must let the scriptures speak. Okay? And because this topic is always a sensitive topic, but um, we are going to do it anyway. So let's go to verses 11. This is 11. Let me just want because I'm going to be reading a lot. I don't want to look to the back all the time. Okay, verses 11, it says, it's the New King James, okay. But now you also must complete, where are you? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 11. But now you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. Okay, there it is. So basically here, what it is saying is that if you read it there, it says you must complete, right? Well, let's read verses 10 just to, to understand it. It says, and in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. So he's saying, uh, I'm giving you advice. When I was with you, you spoke to me and you said, I want to give. I want to help, right? And he says, but it is now, I'm sharing with you, it's to your advantage. Not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. So many times people will say, uh, pray for me, I want the Lord to bless me, I don't have a work, I don't have this and so on, and I would like, you know, and I would like also to be able to give, and Asti Yera may bless, and Salak here, and so on. We share those desires, but in, in reality is that many times that when people do get the jobs, when they do get this, they never give, right? The Bible says, Tell them that work, that they may work, that they may be able to give. Alright? 
That's what the scriptures say. Now, you got to don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you can live well and that you can enjoy your life. That's not all. We are just talking about giving, right? We are not talking about spending. Tell the person next to you, we are not talking about spending. We are talking about giving. Okay. So, verses 11. So, you were desiring a year ago, verse 11. But now you also must complete the doing of it. So, many times we desire to give, but we never complete, never go into action. Many times we would say, I, you know, the Lord blesses me, I'm going to give. And then when you get, when you increase, you give less. And then you never go about giving what you said you would do. Paul is actually saying now to the Corinthian church, listen guys, you said you're going to do this. Come on, give now. Do it, right? And he's saying, if you read on, he says, I'm doing this not because... Because I want something from you. But because you actually said that. And I'm just following up on what you said. Right? Okay, but right? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow up on you. Uh, because I don't do that. But I understand what Paul is trying to say. So he's saying here. Um, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion of what you have. For if there, fir- is, if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. Right? So, he is basically saying, there was a willingness in you, which meant that, there wa- that you had to give. And you were... You were not saying that you wanted to give because you didn't have. But you, but you knew that you had and therefore you had the desire to give. Now Paul is saying that to the Corinthian church. Now remember the Corinthian church is a wealthy church, a well-off church. Right? The Macedonian church is not a well-off church. But the Macedonian church was giving more than the church that was well-off. Right? Are you all with me? So, Paul used the Macedonians to encourage the Corinthians to give. Right? So, it is, it is, it is strange to see that sometimes people who are more well-off, that they give less sometimes than people who, who don't have. Okay? You know, but... But at the same time, it's also those who don't have, do not give, right? So when Paul was encouraging the Corinthian church, he was saying, you guys have, and I want you to give. These guys don't have, and yet they are giving more than what you are giving. But in their giving, there is a supernatural provision that is their way, right? And, um, and so he's talking about um, you, you had a desire because you... Had. Verse 13, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you are burdened. So, uh, I don't want you as your last, uh, as your last bread, and now you decide to give your bread because you were said to give, and then you are burdened, right? You say, I don't want you to do that. You are saying you are going to give, give based upon because you have, right? But, That was not the reality with the Macedonian church. They gave out of their poverty. 
in their poverty, they abounded in the riches of their liberality. It depends upon the faith that you have, right? It, de- it depends upon faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So it depends on your faith that you have, to how you will give. So there have been times when we took what we had and we just emptied the account. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just giving you an example of that that is what we have done quite often. And many times we have seen that when we have done that, at the leadership of the Holy Spirit, when we have done that, that we have met all our needs and still had left over. When there was actually looking like there was going to be nothing. So, but the basic advice, the basic, the general advice is don't give and then you burden yourself. And then you're like, I, I don't want to do this stuff. I don't want to do giving. Because there was no faith in what you did. You more did it out of compulsion, right? And, yeah, but the word says, I must give so fat, my brother. Jesus, what am I going to do now? No? No, but in our case, when we did that, it's like I had faith that God would meet my need. Right? Um, like I explained to you last week when we went to um, Tume up north, took the money that we had and used it, believing that God would take care of the rest. It does work. Right? So, going on in verses 14. But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. He's basically saying, if God gives you more than enough, right, share with others who lack so that we could meet each other's needs. The, you remember uh, early on in the year, I I had, we had a meeting and we spoke about Acts chapter 4, the, 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 the kingly church, the church that had dominion, how amongst them there was none that lacked. When the Lord spoke to me uh, about that Acts chapter 4, he gave me Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 9 and he said, this is what was happening there. Because the people started to sell their properties and so on so that they could meet the needs of saints and fund the gospel so that the gospel can be preached. So Paul is basically saying us, let's look out for each other, right? Let's look out for each other. And that's one of the reasons we started the, what you might call it, generosity box. And as my wife said, if you bring one uh, tin can or something like that, and uh, in a month's time, if each one of us bring one tin can, then there's a hundred, just think about it. So it's not, it's not really in the, in the abundance of your giving. It's in the activation of principles. So it's, we always think about the size. Don't think the size. Think activate principle. Right? Okay. Verses 15. As it is written, He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no Lack, right? So he's taking this from the book of Exodus where the manna that came down from heaven, when they went out to go fetch the manna, some, every man gathered according to his capacity or quota of words. And then he who took much had nothing left over and he who took little had no lack. 
right? That's where this thing is coming from. So, um, it's talking about, it's talking about that, as we said, that equality, that meeting each other's needs. Okay. Verses 16. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. That word for gift is the Greek word grace. He should have said to travel with this grace. And if you read it, it's talking about we have received a collection, we have something for the saints, and we are traveling with this grace. Okay? So the grace is, is seen in, in the fact that they had something that they were carrying with them. Verse 20. Avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us. So if you think about Acts chapter 4, the people were selling their property and so on. And they were bringing the, as they sold it, they were bringing the money. And the Bible says they laid it at the apostles' feet. So Paul is basically saying we have an administration of grace, of these type of things, of this abundance. But we make sure that we are faithful in the administration of what is given so that nobody can blame us in this abundance that we are handling. Okay? Are you all with me on that? Okay? So, verses 21. Providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So, I don't only have a walk that's in front of the Lord. No. There is a walk that's before people. Right? It's good that the Lord knows your heart. But you've got to understand that if you walk not right according to Christ. Okay, I'm not talking about the giving. I'm just saying in general. If you don't walk right uh, according to what is expected of you, other people will think less of the one that we serve. So we don't only walk in the sight of God. We also walk in the sight of men. In other words, the proof that you walk in the sight of God is seen in the sight of men. Right? Are you all with me? Okay? So, uh, so he's basically saying, we are handling this thing, but we are not only saying, No, he's not saying that. He's saying, He's saying, now obviously he's not talking about you. He's talking about somebody like me. Right? He's talking about we, we, we collect Sunday and offerings and things. And sometimes, like we said, we're having a Thanksgiving on the, thir- I think, what's it, the 30th of November. I'm not sure the date. We have that Thanksgiving. Now that money, we, that Thanksgiving, we said we are going to distribute amongst those who have need. So I, we collect it and now... Now I feel, nee, maar ek wil toch op vakantie gaan, man. Bikkie vat vir my. Right? And, uh, but I'm saying to you, we're going to distribute it to the people. 
But now you want to come and say, what did you do with the money? I said, nee, ek loop voor die heren. Wat het dit met jou te doen? No, I can't do that. My, my walk must also be in front of you. So if you want to see, you can see. Right? Are you all with me? So that there is accountability, so that there is integrity and so on. Verses 22. And we have sent them with our brother, whom we have often proved diligently in many things. But how much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner, fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Therefore show to them before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So as I said to you before, the reason Paul was sending Titus to Corinth was so that Corinth can teach those who were well off how to give. Right? That's the reason why he sent them. You'll find that in the earlier parts of the chapter 8. In so much that I desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Finish, complete, you desired, you said you would do, you you gave this promise. I sent him to teach you how to, how to do what you said and how to complete this grace in you and teach you how to walk in this grace that is here in the Macedonian church. Are you all with me? Okay, so let's go on to chapter 9. Okay. Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write into. It's expedient, it's to your advantage and so on. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. So Paul is now saying, I am here at the Macedonian church, so, and I, I told them, the, the Corinthian church said that they're going to give. They're going to support. They said, We are with you, Paul. Let's do it. Right? And and Paul says here, and Paul was boasting. So when he came to Macedonia, he he was boasting, hey, the Corinthian church, they said they're going to support you and they're going to help and they give. And they told me they are ready to give and, and to support and so on. Now Paul says here, so Paul is speaking, and he told them, these guys were a long time ago already, a year ago. Right? Verse, verse 3. Yet I, I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect. That as I said, you may be ready. So he says, I'm sending the brothers. Titus and these guys are going to explain to you, but they are going to get your offering ready. Okay? Right? And he said, and he said verse 4. Lest... If the Macedonians come with me and I find you
But now I don't want them to, to like, when they come here, no similarity, as yell, demakar, and nothing is what I said it would be, and then I'm more embarrassed. So Paul is saying, I am sending them, so because if some of the brothers come with me, and we, and we come, and we find that you, your hands are empty, there's no offering, there's no collection, there's nothing, we are going to be embarrassed. Not you, because we boasted about you. You weren't the one that was boasting. We were boasting. We were saying the Corinthians, the Corinthians. Alright? And, and so verse 5. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. Prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you have previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity, not as a grudging obligation. Obligation. So can you see he's talking about giving financially, materially. I think it's more financially because, I mean, if they all gave in a materially way and they had to travel with that, it's going to be difficult, right? So, so yeah, you can see, so Paul says, I'm sending somebody so that they can prepare your generous gift beforehand as a matter of generosity, not as a grudging obligation. Now, so is it talking about giving? Financially and materially. Okay, next verse. Verse 6. What does it say? But I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So, can you give financially and reap from it? Read context. Right? Um, I know it's been abused. That's why we are teaching. I'm not, we don't put somebody up here to manipulate, to give. The Yerah says, and come as bring now the offering. Right? This is the first time in how many years we're actually talking about giving, right? This is not because we desire, but it's because we want things to happen for us. So, but he sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's about giving. The context is giving. The, the scripture is always explained by the context. Not by when you see it, because we can say we can sow the word as well. A sower went out to sow, and the sower sowed the seed, which is the word of God. That's, we can also say that. Um, a preacher is a scatterer of the word, the seed. But in the context, the context is not the word. The context is the giving materially and financially. So he says, we are preparing your gift, but just remember this. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. So, because it's a matter of your generous giving, what does the next verse say? Verses 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So purpose whether you want to give sparingly or bountifully. You choose. It's up to you. You can give little, you can give a lot. It's up to you. But remember, you sow 
sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. As he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. The word grudgingly there, it's kind of that meaning that you are like so. Seer. Right? And, and you know that poverty and lack damages us on the inside. Right? And it can make that you don't want to uh, see any of this. Right? Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, whatever I'm telling you, I'm not canceling hard work. Because when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, which was the Macedonian church, he said to them, tell them that, that they must work with their hands so that they do not lack. Right? So, you have to work with your hands. Do business. If you are employed by somebody, work to your best. Work hard. Right? So that you don't lack. But there is also a grace administration that you can add to what you are doing. Right? Are you all with me understanding me? Okay? So, um, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verses 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Verse 8. Um, that you always have all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now what happens is, if you give in the spirit of grace, freely, undeserved, you can find that, that what God says, I will make various kinds of graces available. Okay, all grace. The God of all grace. So, abound towards you, overflow, exceeding. Abound means overflow, exceed. Um, it's just abounding, right? That you always have all sufficiency in all things, that you may have abundance for every good work, right? So, yeah, so grace can come in a form of, grace can come in a form of someone can pay your rent. Um, you have used up all your finances and then all of a sudden someone comes and and blesses you and meets the shortage we've heard many 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 of those stories i've seen those things happen over and over in my life right so the grace comes in you know all of a sudden you could get a promotion all of a sudden something that you've been waiting for a long time can happen grace in the same manner that you have distributed it's also in the same manner that god can work in your life and he says god is able to make all grace abound to you in the context what are we talking about giving having all sufficiency may have an abundance for every good Work. Read the next verse in case you are not sure. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. The context is giving financially. And he says, right? Now remember I told you that when we give, we are unlocking the grace of giving. The kingdom of God works that God gives to you and you practice the principle so that you unlock that thing in your life so that it can be seen. So that as you practice it, you can grow in the measure of it. I remember this word was given 
to me already in, in COVID. I already shared my testimony. In five months, in five months, when the Lord told, shared this with me, from the first month when I started to give, every month my income increased. I asked nobody for an increase. Do you remember COVID? Who here can say, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even approach the facilitators, the leadership and say, guys, come on, I need an increase now. I didn't do that. God spoke to me. I mean, God, it's, it's, it's an economically challenging time. And God is talking to me about give. So you, you can't tell me that God won't talk to you about giving if you are economically challenged. Because he did it to me. Now it's not that I'm now the standard. I'm just saying if he did it, he did it. And you know what? I did what he said. I finished the grace. And I saw the reward. And, and in COVID, I was the one blessing, giving, doing. And many of you were also doing. We were, we were helping each other so much, sharing people at COVID and then going to their houses, putting food down there. Um, don't you have, let's drive for you, do this. We helped each other amazingly, right? And yet, and we came through and we, and we saw the hand of God. Right? His righteousness endures forever. It's about giving. I can't sugarcoat that one. Right? It's what it's about. Right? Now look at this. He says, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, whatsoever man sows. Okay? Or if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Now, now may... Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. What is seed in the context? Finances. Um, and bread for food. Supplies and multiplies the seed you have sown. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. Okay, your righteousness. So, what happens is, is that he who supplies. Who is he? God. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. In other words, the way that you must look at what you earn and what you make is like this. I have been given so that I can live well. But I've also been given so that I can give. That's, that's what he's saying. He who supplies seed to sow, that means to give. Remember, bring your gen- we are collecting your generous gift. But I say, if you sow sparingly, so it's about the giving, the sowing, the seed, right? But bread for food is for you to love. That's exactly what happened to me in the lockdown. While I was giving, I was loving. And while I was loving, and every month I increased in my giving. Right? Remember, I think it was like something like 7, then 9, then 12, 15, then eventually 18,000 I was giving away. And yet I was still living. And it was an act of my belief in what God said to me. Right? So, and, and I was quite amazed at how quickly it happened. And, and you know what, when lockdown was finished... Then I just stopped giving. (laughs) 
I was like, I'm like, in hindsight, I'm like, you, you stupid guy, why did you do that? <laughs> you understand? Because that is what happened. Now I want to go to the next. So multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. What is your righteousness? In context, context, don't say I'm saved by grace. Because that's not the righteousness that it's talking about. In context, it's you have scattered abroad, you have given to the poor, your righteousness remains forever. What is your righteousness? Your giving and your scattering. And what is the fruit of your giving and your scattering? Is that people will praise God. Is that God will make it abound to you. These are the fruits out of your practice of giving. Right? And I, I don't, I don't want to focus on that. We can maybe do that next week. Let's read verses 11. So there is a fruit, something, a result that comes from your giving. Verses 11. And we're going for a close. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, the word liberality is generosity. Which causes thanksgiving unto God. See, there's the fruit of your righteousness. People are praising God. If you read on it, it says, Many thanksgiving for you is going up to God. You know, you can cause people to pray for you. Oh Lord, thank you for that brother that gave. I needed it right now. Lord, bless him. You can cause a praise. Right? You can cause people to praise God. You are creating an atmosphere amongst us of thanksgiving, which is, generates grace. Now these are spiritual things that, that are realities. But the word that I want to focus on here is liberality. This word liberality in the King James, old King James, is bountiful, um, is generosity, But it also means simplicity. It means singleness. It actually comes from this this word in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Okay, let's read from verse 19. Oh, okay, just leave that one. Let's just read from verses, verses 21. Okay. For time's sake. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 verses 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now the context. I don't have the time to explain to you the context, but the context is already talking about giving. Right. If you go into Luke, it will confirm it's what it is when it talks about where your treasure is. Verses 22. The light of the body is the eye. And if therefore your eye is single, say single, your whole body shall be full of light. You know what the, this word bountifulness, generosity comes from this word single. That's why in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it also in some translation talks about simplicity or singleness of your giving. In other words, 
the manner in which you give is determined by the way you see. And this word, this word here for single is talking about seeing, perspective. And, and it says that if your eye, your perspective is correct, then there will be light in the rest of you. And you know what is the fruit of light? Joy. Peace. Remember, the first meaning for light is illumination. Second meaning, result of illumination, is joy, peace. The meaning for darkness is ignorance of truth. But it's knowledge that opposes truth. It's knowledge that when you hear truth, you, you stand up against it. The truth. That is darkness. And he says, if you use darkness as light, how great is your darkness? He say, in other words, when you think that the way you're thinking is correct, and you use it to guide your way, right? It says that if that is what's happening, if you use that, then your darkness is even greater. And the rest, and what's the fruit of darkness? Sorrow. Right? So, when it talks about, so, generosity, singleness, the mindset, the way that you think. What is poverty? It is the attitude. It is the manner in which you view things. It's you are always concerned about lack, low self-esteem, all these things that is built up into your mind that you use as light. So when you are told to give, you use that perception to say no, but we can't give. And in your mind it sounds logical, but it's not light. Right? Side tight. <laughs> right? In your mind, it's correct to think like that. Some of the things that Jesus would say, he would say, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is taking care of itself. Oh, Jesus, are you for real? Are you serious? Come on. Jesus, man, be realistic. Be, it's not logical what you are saying. But that light, that thinking, which you think is light, is actually darkness because it, it's going against what Jesus says. And you use that as light. Jesus says, your darkness is great. And it affects the rest of your being. Right? Are you all with me? So, so in the context, so the singleness, the generosity. In other words, generosity is the correct mindset. Not the mindset of poverty. Lack. Or sometimes logical thinking. Because sometimes the things that God tells you to do is not logical. It's faith. But please, if he told you once to do something that's not logical, don't do it every time. Right? Do you understand? It's the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Right? 
But what I'm saying to you is, what Jesus is saying in the context he's talking about, he's saying, generosity, it's way, it's thought, it's behavior, it's attitude, and it's thinking is light. Right? Because, you read on, verses 23, you see context. But if thine eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you, the understanding that you have in you, is actually not truth, but just logical thinking. How great is that darkness? Right? Now I'm not saying there's no room for logical thing. I just told you that. Verse 24, context. No man can serve two masters. The context. No man can serve two masters. Right? So, what does that mean? It means, by generosity, has some profound effect upon you. Because if your light is, if your eye is single, generous, there is something that happens to the rest of you. Remember I told you, if you are always, if you are always saying, no one is greeting me, no one came to visit me, Right? No one did this for me. No one ever gives to me. Right? No one ever... All those things. You are an offended person. But if you have the eye of generosity, which is giving and not self-focused, love someone who doesn't love me. What happens, he says... There will be a kind of a peace and a joy that will be within you that comes from your generous thinking and view of life. So when you think more of giving to somebody than taking, there is a better way that you will feel about yourself. Because most people that are offended are offended because they didn't do this. They weren't there for me. They you know, I mean, there were some things we went through in, in COVID nighttime with, with Ethan's struggle. No one could be there for us for that. If I said, yeah, my hierdie mense, bid hulle rarig vir my, ja, ek moet hierdie ding dier alleen gaan. You know, and I know people were praying for us, but I'm telling you, if I had that mindset, because nobody came and knocked on my door and said, ons bid vir jou, or whatever, I could have been highly offended. Your perception must be one of generosity, which is love. So that the rest of you has light, joy, peace, and so on. Are you all with me? So, stop looking for, don't be a taker, be a giver. Right? Are you all with me? It, that's why Jesus, that, no, it wasn't Jesus, but Paul said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because something happens to you. And the, as it said there, it said, being enriched for all liberality. In other words, that when you have a generous mindset and thinking, God says, I furnish you. 
That's why there's more light in you. Because I furnish you with whatever you need. It, it, it happens. As the Bible says, he who waters himself shall also be watered. A generous soul shall be made fat. And he who waters shall himself also be watered. When you step into the grace of giving. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. I clocked just over an hour, I think. I hope. Smithy Skadikop. Right. So I had to read a lot of scriptures today because that is what I felt in my spirit. When I woke up this morning, the scriptures were just in me. And I know with this I have to use the scriptures. So, so allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Right? This grace of giving. Okay? It is up to you. It's your decision. But I've given you a key. I, I was thinking that I'm, I, maybe I'm going to ask you know, some of them that have testimonies. I come down to rock bottom and have started with this and how they have seen things move. Maybe to share their testimony on a video or so we post it up on the Christ Oneness. Just so that we can have testimony. The word works when it is applied. Not when you just listen. Okay? So you cannot say it doesn't work when you have not applied with the right heart. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. Your word is like a door that provides us access. That when we apply the word with the right heart and according to how your word explains us to do it, then we will dwell in the reality of that word. And my praise, then we will see a dominion that we are looking for. May you bless the works of our hands, but also bless our spiritual practice of mercy. Your nature demonstrated in our giving. When we don't give, we hide your nature. Because you are a giver. You are generous. You are free giving. And you give to us without any grudges in your heart. You express your love in your generous giving towards us. Your merciful nature. My prayer is that we will no longer hide you. Hide your nature of mercy by our fear of giving. And may we start wherever we find ourselves. And I pray that praises will go up to you. And the fruit that will come to you. Thanksgiving and prayers and salvation and things that will happen. I pray, Lord, throughout all of this. May we see your nature. That is my prayer. May we be the image of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.